freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your almost round two recap, round three preview for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. And joining me to break it all down, it's the coach. Hey, coach. We're having a great week so far, even though the weather hasn't been fantastic. We're having a really good week with our picks on early edge here on the First Cut and all over the place. So I'm excited to talk about it. So when I say almost round two, it's because we, as we talk about this, as coach and I break this down, there are a handful of guys who have a hole to play, maybe two holes to go. They're currently in a weather delay. They're going to get kicking here in about another 45 minutes, but coach, I couldn't wait any longer. We just got to talk about everything that's going on. Uh, yep. The weather played a big role, obviously on Friday. It got to the point where Friday afternoon, it actually started to hail out there at Torrey Pines and it was giving these guys fits all day long. I never like to, to, to root against anybody, but we're in the world of golf betting, right? And so I have Xander faded all over my board, and he is sitting on the cut line with two holes to play as the hail's coming down. So I'm screaming at the TV, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. All I need is one bogey, and I can sit back, and I'm going to be in the, in the pay window before I even get to the weekend. Now, speaking of window, I'm looking out of my window right now, and I'm about 45 miles from Torrey Pines where they're playing, and the sun just came out, and it's a gorgeous day right now. So I'm assuming that they'll have a chance to finish this round because there's nobody out there that wants to come back tomorrow morning as cold as it's been and play one or two holes. Yeah, that's right. They've got the they've got the range open right now, so they're getting back out okay, there good, shortly. Uh, but let's talk about some of these guys because it's an absolute logjam. There are seven guys at eight under par. We can talk about uh, a few that have finished and a few that still have a couple holes to go. And it's John Rahm who goes out and shoots a sixty-seven on Friday. That's five under par. He played the North Course. Started a, a bit slow for John Rahm, coach. I mean, literally the first swing of the day, he had one of those fighter jets fly over the top of his head, kind of spooked him a little <laughs> bit. He was able to settle down after that and play and. Play play some great golf. Well, he was quoted as saying, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before that everybody made so much more of this injury for him pulling out last week than it really was. He was like, it was kind of ridiculous. And clearly he, he showed that today, but we talked Tuesday, Rick on the preview show about how much has been made about the South course being so much more difficult than the North course. But yet in recent years, they've tightened that up that it hasn't been that much. But this year, it's starting to spread back out again. Yesterday, over four shots separated the two. And then you look at it today. You mentioned John Rahm. He shot a three under yesterday. Patrick Reed shot an eight under on uh, the, the north course. So now today, they flip-flop. And what do you see? They're tied for the lead because they now played both courses. So you're seeing it all equal out. And that's kind of the way that this tournament has gone in the past. And it's going to be an interesting weekend because the south course, some guys have figured it out. But it's playing really, really hard. It certainly is. Yes, a uh, four-shot difference on Thursday. We are about just a hair under four-shot different difference on Friday as well. So the South Course has the teeth. And Tony Finau took advantage of the North Course coach on Friday for a 67 in the same way that John Rahm did. Uh, it is never about the first two rounds for Tony. It is never about the first three rounds for Tony. This is right where we would expect him to be. It is about uh, the weekend, How how when we get closer to this thing concluding what does Tony Finau do and those are the same questions we're going to have about him this week I would love to be a dinner guest for him every Friday night especially <laughs> the last three or four weeks when he's been either close to the lead or on the lead uh, after 36 holes it's got to be 
it's got to be kind of a bitter, not bittersweet, but a double-edged sword because you want to be excited, but yet in the back of your mind, you're telling yourself, I've never finished, at least not in the States. I've never finished. And now you come to a course like this. He was a sexy pick for a lot of people this week, certainly a lot of top 10s, a lot of top 20s, and now he's sitting right up there. Today was a fairly easy day for him. He was never really in a lot of trouble, but now he's got to turn it up. He's got to turn it up over the weekend and say, I am the guy. I am the guy, and I don't know what it's going to take, Rick, for him to turn that page and be able to flip that light switch, but something's got to happen because the more weeks we have like this, I think the farther away we're going to get from him actually becoming a legitimate champion on the PGA Tour. The good news for Tony this week might be that if he goes out and shoots a Sunday 68 or 69, that might be good enough. You know, there are some weeks where scoring is so low, and we saw this literally just last week. You don't you don't shoot a 64, you don't get into a playoff, you don't have a chance to win. So it actually might be beneficial for Tony uh, if he can just go shoot something a couple under par each round over the next two days. He might find himself uh, certainly in the thick of it on, on Sunday afternoon. I said I, I thought the, it was going to be ten to fifteen under. So what you're saying would fit right into that number, right? We're about halfway. We're about halfway there right now. Uh, the most impressive round of Friday for me is not complete yet. Victor Hovland has one hole to go, and he yeah. is six under through seventeen, and he's playing the South Course. So if you're doing the math at home, that is essentially him gaining about eight and a half strokes on the field on Friday. That is magical stuff. He moves up. At the current moment, he's up 47 spots, so he's been flying up the leaderboard. Here's a guy who is just firing darts all day long, making putts when he has to, and he's putting together something really special, Coach. There's one word that is is stuck in my mind right now when you read those stats. Fade! Fade for (laughs) round three. There is no way that he's going to do this again tomorrow or Sunday, what he did today. This was one of the the all-time special rounds on this course. If you shoot a 65 or a 66 here... In these conditions, on this course, when it's rainy and windy and cold and the ball's going all over the place, a 66 is like shooting a 61 somewhere else. This is ridiculous, but this is what Victor Hovland has done. He is legit, week in and week out, a pick for people. And to now only be 18 months to 24 months in, it's really special what he's been able to do. Now he needs to do what Tony Finau has to do. you got to turn these into victories. When you get here, you turn them into wins. Yeah, I'm looking at at these at these names here. Just the seven guys that are currently in first. Uh, about four of them are already done. You've got major champions. I mean, Adam Scott is in this group. You have guys trying to break out Tony Finau, Victor Hovland trying to get another Ryan Palmer. You have just such a mix of. Uh, veterans, grinders, guys with unbelievable resumes, unbelievable pedigrees, you're going to have to go out and win this thing, right? Like nobody's going to cough this up and and let you have it over the course of the weekend. You're going to have to go out and play some uh, really great golf on a very difficult golf course for two more days, and you're going to have to earn this one. But when you say great golf, because we talked last Friday night and we said you're going to have to go 64, 63 of the weekend to win, and that's exactly what it took. That's not what it's going to take this weekend. Great yep. golf this week is 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 a different definition. It's making the five foot par putt. It's it's hitting greens. It's hitting fairways. That's great golf this week, right there on the ocean. And that's what I love about the official unofficial start of the PGA Tour season. We're seeing how many strokes in between first and last. That's PGA Tour golf to me at its highest level.
Yeah, it's all relative, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it, everybody's playing this. Uh, I shouldn't say the same course because literally they're on two different courses this week. But <laughs> the, that idea, coach, of uh, everybody's out there in the same conditions, battling it out, and and sometimes a sixty-eight is a great score, and sometimes it's a terrible score. Um, looking a bit further down the list, there there is one name that you know we talk about often uh, here, coach, on the first cut, and he had an interesting round today. So I want to I want to point it out, and it's Will Zalatoris. You know, the the, the hype around this kid coming up from the Corn Ferry Tour, doing what he did, which is essentially dominate the Corn ferry tour play well in his in his short experience here on the pga tour but the stat the stat from friday this guy hit one fairway on the south course on friday which should have been a recipe for an 81 he shoots a one under 71 we saw mark leishman kind of do that a bit uh last year coach in the final rounds he only hit three fairways in route to victory this is a really uh, almost an against all odds type of round when you're putting yourself in in such a sour position all day long off the tee and you still find a way to get it in under par and if you find the fairway they're pay- they're playing preferred lies so yeah. you're you're really you're you're double handcuffing yourself because you're watching your playing partners sit in the fairway and they're putting tees in the ground and they're putting their ball up on you know, setting it up on nice grass and you're over there in these clumps just trying to hack it out and th- this guy is as impressive to me as, as a story as I've seen in a really, really long time because of the pressure to have to perform in those few tournaments to get his PGA Tour card. Clearly, his stuff is legit. Clearly, he's yeah. good enough to be a top-flight PGA Tour pro. And it's only a matter of time before he makes a win. But here's what's, di- here's what's different, Rick, is that Vegas has already figured it out. Mm-hmm. So when, when you do pick him to win, you're never going to get one of those 45 to ones or one of those 50 to ones. You're not getting that anymore from him. So those days are over before he even got a win. It, it is interesting. You know, we saw how, how long it took odds makers to adjust to Jordan Speed, how quickly they've adjusted to Will Zalatoris. They're certainly not going to get burnt there. Uh, one notable t- who who does not have to wait around and see how this weather plays out. He can pack his bags. He can head on out. It's Brooks Kepka, who follows up his even par 72 with a four over 76 on the north side, which is, yeah, even even worse than that. So uh, for Brooks, whether it is a coincidence or not, coach, the three events that he has played since splitting with Claude and his swing coach, three consecutive missed cuts, the first time he's ever done it in his PGA Tour career. Uh, this is pretty pretty sour for, for Mr. Kepka. I do a show in the morning called Coach Him Up Live, and I told people on that show, no matter who your sports book is, if you see a play against Brooks Kepka, you play it all <laughs> day long. This guy, to me, has lost his mojo. He's lost his swagger. I don't care what he has to say at this point. You need to show me the difference between him and Jordan Spieth, and why I still have the utmost respect for Jordan Spieth and his game is that Jordan hasn't talked. He's just gone and put in the work, and we expect him to come back. Brooks has been talking. He's been switching coaches. He's been doing IG lives with his girlfriend in a bikini. My man, you're a major champion. You're supposed to be one of the top five players in the world, and now you're dropping down to 30, 40, 50th in the world. Something has got to click with him, and I don't know how you tell yourself to care, but I think it's as simple as that. He needs to start caring about his game, about his legacy, about his reputation. Uh, he literally hit a ball into a shoe today, which is not a good omen. Uh, when you fly it into a stinky old shoe and have to get a drop out of there, it's kind of the state of, of Brooks's game at the moment. Uh, looking ahead, looking ahead to the weekend, coach, we've got uh, I've got odds here, and I just want to walk through the odds for 
the eight, the seven guys who are either in at eight under or currently sitting at eight under here. So John Rahm is one of them. He's three to one. Tony Finau, seven to one. Adam Scott, nine to one. Victor Hovland, uh, seven to one. Patrick Reed, seven and a half to one. Uh, Rory is not even in that group. His odds are very short. Lonzo Griffin, 12 to one. Ryan Palmer, 14 to one. I think I got them all. So Rory's getting a lot of respect being three shots off the lead heading into the weekend when we've got so many guys ahead of him and we've got seven guys who are currently eight under par. Well, we saw last night. I mean, the, the odds were stupid. They were so off. They had Rory four back at minus 500 and then Rom was second. And then you had, uh, it was just, now this seems like more in, in the line of what they should be. Now they're going to play the, the South course. If I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm looking for that, that classic word value, I'm going to go with Ryan Palmer and Lotto Griffin. They both have proven they can win on the PGA Tour. Ryan Palmer, for some reason, the last four or five years, has fallen in love with this place. Yep. Can he finish in the last 36 holes? I don't know. Now, who do I think is going to win? I think it's going to be John Rahm. I really do. But I don't like laying three to one when you're when you're in a seven-way tie for first place. That's just not value. So to me, it would be Ryan Orlato or uh, even Rory at three black, back when you're getting 11 to one. Yes. So I think Rom at three to one is a bit unbettable. I would, I want to see what Victor Hovland does tomorrow. I agree with you. There's going to be some regression, right? The guy's not going to gain another eight and a half strokes, but if he can hang, be within two shots of the lead, something like that after, after Saturday, I want to see what that number is because I, I love this kid and I think he's got all the tools, but you're right. I do think the, the value at this moment, 36 holes in where we've got a uh, Ryan Palmer, who's already in the clubhouse, who's on such a great stretch of golf at Torrey Pines. He played in the final group last year, 14 to one. I think that's, that's the best number of these. He He's really, his game's really picked up in the last you know year or so. It has, and if you're Lotto and you're sitting in your your hotel room right now and you're watching the first cut, which I, I guarantee you he was doing, yes. how disrespected do you feel that you are three shots ahead of Rory McIlroy and you're essentially, your odds are double what his are? How disrespected do you feel if you're Lotto Griffin? I would be. You you want to spot me three three strokes going into the weekend? I'll take that bet. You know what I do think is interesting is sometimes you get these guys like Lonto's one, right? He won in Houston a couple of years ago. The fact that um, there are it's one thing to have maybe six guys ahead of your tie with seven other guys or whatever it is. But but for them to be John Rom, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, like I, I think it's time to freewheel it like nobody's expecting yep. you to win this golf tournament. Uh, obviously, odds makers are thinking you're 20 to one. They're giving you a five percent chance at this. Go freewheel it, son. Go out there and see if you can get hot uh, fire at darts and, and roll some putts in and see what happens. I think that's a dangerous uh, recipe for some of these guys who are kind of just lurking underneath the surface. It's, it's a different mindset. And it's the same if you're even go farther down to Peter Malnati. It's the yeah. same mindset that you tell yourself, listen, and now, now at some point you got to flip the switch and say, I do belong here and I should win. But right now they're not in that state. Rom, Macro, all these guys, they are. They're like, we're champions. We're top flight players. We're top 10 players in the world. We're supposed to finish the job. But not Lotto, not Peter, not Ryan Palmer. Now, they would love to get to that point. They'd love to become 15, top 15, top 20 in the world. But right now, they're not. And that can be dangerous. And that's why golf betting, when you're picking a winner, and that's why I tell people all the time, if you want to consistently make money, you don't pick winners because it's so <laughs> hard to do. Only one guy gets the win every week. That's it. Only that's one it. guy. That's it. <laughs>
Uh, I love it. All right. They are uh, at the range. They're headed back out there shortly. We're going to wrap up uh, this round two and we'll see where we stand. Obviously, we'll be back uh, after each and every round of this event as we always are. But for now, thank you to the coach who you can find on Twitter at the coach rules. You can find me at Rick run good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.